Well, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Your presence is an encouragement to all the rest of us here this morning. But your being here is much more important than that. Sometimes we take for granted just what we're doing here. So what are we doing? Nothing less than proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he came and he died for us that we might have life and life abundantly. Now that is pretty special, isn't it? Before we go any further, let's uh, begin with a prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for enabling us to worship you. Bless our study, Father. Bless us as we worship you and help us to do it right, Father. And Be with us, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you have asked about how my dad is doing, and I really appreciate that. He's 94, and at this point, he's stable. Just a few weeks ago, he finalized all his plans for his funeral, and he was very pleased that he got all that taken care of. It seems that the funeral home that he's dealing with has a really great layaway plan. <laughs> Come to think of it, isn't that what the funeral home business is all about? At any rate, two weeks ago, I was privileged to give the Sunday morning lesson, and I talked about the importance of understanding God's unconditional love for us. I want to continue that theme this morning. It's such an important uh, idea to our Christian walk. The elders have asked that we who speak on occasion structure our lessons around character studies. Well, that works out really well for me this morning because one of the most important aspects of understanding God's unconditional love, making God's unconditional love real in our lives, can be seen in the life of Solomon. So we'll spend a few minutes this morning talking about Solomon. When we discuss Solomon, what do we think about? Well, of course we think about his great wisdom, the wisest man on earth. We think about his great wealth, his stature as king. We think about how he built a magnificent temple. We probably think about the fact that he had many wives and how big his farm must have been and how much wheat he grew. Because, you know, 1 Kings 11.3 says he has 700 wives and 300 combines, or, or, or something like that. It's really interesting that when we so often think about Solomon, we do so in such a positive way. But we fail to recognize that Solomon, in spite of the great wisdom that God had given him, he failed in so many ways. He turned away from God. He led Israel into idolatry. He used the wisdom that God had given him to glorify himself and not God. He ultimately recognized that his pursuit of wealth and personal gratification was a life spent in vain, that it was worthless. When you read the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon begins with vanity, vanity, all is vanity. You read a really depressing account of a man who knew he had basically wasted his life. His actions set the stage for the destruction of Israel. But we don't like to think of Solomon in that uh, set of terms, do we? And why is that? Well, we key in on Solomon's great riches his extravagant lifestyle, his celebrity. He was a rock star, and we worship rock stars, don't we? We romanticize Solomon. 
You know, I've read a bunch of commentaries, and there are a bunch of commentaries who even say Solomon prefigured Christ. It's amazing. We think of Solomon as a great king because we so often equate power and wealth and extravagance with success. Even when we acknowledge that Solomon got off track and he forsook God and worshipped idols, we are quick to point out that it was Solomon's many wives who led him astray. It's almost as if we're saying that Solomon wasn't really at fault. It was his wives' fault. Now, most of us husbands know that if we ever try to blame our wives for something dumb that we've done, it just never ends well. Well, Solomon was the son of King David and Bathsheba. Solomon became king when David died about a thousand years before Christ. He ruled 40 years, and the kingdom of Israel did enjoy peace and prosperity uh, during the reign of Solomon. But that peace and prosperity came at a very, very high price. Solomon achieved peace through alliances with the countries around him, and he used marriage as a tool to secure those alliances. He married the daughter of Pharaoh and many other women from many other nations. All of these alliances involved entanglements that would lead Solomon to compromise his values and lose sight of his relationship with God. In addition to his many wives, Solomon gathered unheard of wealth. He built up Israel's military. He had 40,000 horses. And I mention that because in Deuteronomy, God warned Israel about establishing a king over them. And he explicitly said what that king should not do. In Deuteronomy 17, starting with verse 16, it says, He shall not multiply horses for himself, nor shall he cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way. He shall not multiply wives for himself, or else his heart will turn away. Nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold for himself. Just about everything God warned Israel and the future kings not to do, Solomon did. But as we know, Solomon at the beginning of his reign, he started off right. In 1 Kings 3, 7 through 12, we all know the story. Solomon has just been anointed king and he prays to God and he says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in my place of my father David. Yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great people who are too many to number or count. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Well, God was pleased with that. And continuing in verse 10, it says, It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice, behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. Solomon asking for wisdom is an extremely important lesson for us. 
But if you look closely, there is a more important, more fundamental lesson, a far more important lesson embedded in this story that we often don't see. It's a lesson that even Solomon, in all of his wisdom, he demonstrated that he understood it at the beginning, but he forgot about it. And by forgetting this fundamental lesson, he brought upon himself disaster, despair, failure. And this is the Solomon paradox. When we look at the life of Solomon, we just have to ask, why would Solomon, as wise as he was, do so many dumb things? Why did Solomon use his wisdom unwisely? And the basic answer to that is Solomon, instead of using the wisdom that God gave him to glorify God, he used it to glorify himself, to satisfy his own lust his own desires, something that God had warned against. And of course, the next question we should ask ourselves is, can we fall into the same trap? And the answer is, absolutely, we can. So it's essential that we know how to avoid this. Now, Paul, in Romans chapter 1, warns us of the exact same problem that Solomon had and tells us what the root of that problem is. In Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, it says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. I bet you never thought that Solomon fell into the group that Paul was talking about here, but that is exactly what Solomon did. In 1 Kings 11, 5 through 9, it says, For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of, of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord fully as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Shemosh, the detestable idol of Moab on the mountain which is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the detestable idol of the sons of Ammon. Thus also did he for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel. Just how far off track Solomon got and how justifiable God's anger was, is a bit more understandable when you consider the fact that the worship of some of these foreign or idols, these these wrong, false gods, involved human sacrifice, child sacrifice. How could he have gotten so far off track? How could anything be more deplorable than that? But, you know, I haven't gotten to the fundamental lesson that we so often miss. Prior to asking for wisdom, the very first thing Solomon did when he prayed to God was that he honored God and he thanked God for giving him his new position. That seems so simple, so simple that we may not recognize the significance. Look again at Romans chapter 1. There's something in the middle of verse 21 in Romans chapter 1 that is so important Reading that again, verse 21 of Romans 1. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. 
but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. The people that Paul is talking about, people just like Solomon, people that forsake God and go after idols, first stop honoring God. They stop giving thanks for the blessings he bestows. Isn't it amazing that being ungrateful starts a sequence of events that leads to disaster? Gratitude is the secret ingredient that enables us to understand God's unconditional love for us. Because without gratitude, we won't fully experience the potential of his love. And if we don't fully experience the potential of his love in our lives, if that love is not real in our lives, how in the world will we ever be able to understand it? And if we don't understand it, how can we appreciate it? Really experiencing God's love in our lives, growing in God's life, love, is a cycle that begins and ends with gratitude. Solomon started out this cycle being grateful to God, but somewhere along the line he stopped being grateful. And why did that happen? Like so many of us who are blessed so richly, we may start thinking, that, that our blessings are, are just no big deal. We take our blessings for granted. Or worse, we start believing that we deserve all that we've been given. Solomon was famous. He was renowned for his wisdom, his intelligence, his knowledge. He was rich. He took seven years to build a magnificent temple. He spent 13 years building his own palace. That alone might tell you something about how he set his priorities. He built numerous grand structures to demonstrate his wealth and power. People came from all over to honor him, to give him gifts, to be close to him. It's not hard to imagine that Solomon began to believe his own press, believing that his accomplishments were due to his fundamental greatness. It's not hard to imagine that with all he did, he forgot that it all started with a simple blessing, a significant blessing from God. He probably thought that given all that he had, everything he could imagine, all the desires of his heart, that since he was so blessed, then he was by definition good with God and God was good with him. Otherwise, why would he have achieved so much? Why would he have gotten so much power and been so great? You know, sometimes we might fall into that same trap and think that because we've been so blessed, that, well, we're good with God and God is good with us. Sometimes as a nation, I know we think that. We've been so blessed as a nation. We say one nation under God, our money says, in God we trust. We think that since we're such a rich and powerful nation, that God must be on our side. Well, that's a possibility, but it ain't necessarily so. It wasn't true in Solomon's day. Lots of times it's not true at all. We can't use the measure of our wealth and our blessings as a measure of God's satisfaction with us. We can't look at the measure of our spirituality so superficially. We have to look deeper. The measure of our spirituality is not based on the number of our blessings, but it is based on our gratitude for those blessings, the way we honor God or don't honor God. So what does it do for us when we express our gratitude to God? 
It keeps our focus on what it should be, not on our blessings, but on the giver of those blessings. It keeps our focus on honoring God. It shows our understanding of his greatness, not our greatness. So often we spend so much of our time thinking about what we don't have, what we want, and how we're going to get it. When we show gratitude for our blessings, it keeps us focused on what we do have. And when you think about it, we're children of the Almighty God, and the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ are amazing. When we show gratitude to God, or to anyone for that matter, who does something for us, it drives us to want to please the giver. It reflects and highlights a sense of responsibility, an obligation, if you will, and that's good and that's appropriate. When we show gratitude to God, it puts us in a mindset of using the blessings that he gives us in the right way, to use them in God's service to honor him. Gratitude draws us closer to God. You know, you read Ecclesiastes, and you'll see Solomon may have had lots of material possessions, but he had absolutely no lasting joy. Gratitude is the foundation for all joy. If you lack joy in your life, I'll bet one of the reasons, if not the principal reasons, is that you lack gratitude, that you're taking the blessings that we have in Christ for granted. Colossians 2, 6 through 8 says, Therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. If we have received Christ as Lord and walk, at him, walk in him, we will be overflowing in gratitude. If we're not overflowing in gratitude, you just have to ask, have we really received Jesus are we really walking in him? Has the potential of his unconditional love made the difference in our lives that it should make? Ephesians 5, 19 through 20 talks about worship. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. We talked about the importance of worship a couple of weeks ago. Our giving thanks is an essential ingredient to acceptable worship. And if we don't recognize the importance of gratitude, we've just missed the point. We miss the joy. Well, it was bad enough that Solomon blew it for himself. But Solomon had a son. His name was Rehoboam, and Rehoboam was to be king after Solomon died. 1 Kings 12 tells us about Rehoboam in verse 1. Then Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gathered to Shechem to make him king. Now one way Solomon accumulated all of his wealth and power was he enslaved the Israelite people. Solomon was a very hard taskmaster, and the people were tired of it. The people at Shechem spoke to Rehoboam, saying in verse 4, Your father made our yoke hard. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. Well, Rehoboam first consulted the elders, and the elders told him wisely to listen to the people, lighten the load. Rehoboam didn't like this advice, so he asked his young friends what they thought. Well, they advised the king to answer harshly to prove that he was a great king, to show his power. 
They told him to say, and it's recorded in verse 10, my little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Whereas my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Well, the people would have none of that. Ten of the tribes rebelled and went off and formed their own nation, which would be called the northern kingdom of Israel, leaving just the tribe of Judah with Rehoboam as their king. Of course, Rehoboam should have first honored God and thanked God for his position as king and then sought God's counsel. Didn't do that. I suspect he didn't do it because he wasn't taught to do it. One of the most important things that we need to learn right now is the power and importance of gratitude. And as important is the need to teach the power of gratitude to our children. We don't have to look far in our society today to see a bunch of people that have no gratitude. They spend all of their time demanding their rights. They feel entitled. They expect to be blessed just because of who they are. They think they deserve wealth and recognition and honor just because they consider it their right. Just like Solomon, they don't think the rules, even the common rules of, of common courtesy and respect for others, they don't think they apply to them. It's all about the selfie. We're in this situation because so many haven't been taught the value of gratitude. And the only way we're going to be able to turn this around is if we teach our children the importance of gratitude. And the only way we're going to be able to teach our children effectively the importance of gratitude is if we live it every day, every minute of every day, to make it a part of who we are as we honor God and give him thanks for all that he has done for us. The Solomon paradox is, why didn't Solomon use his wisdom more wisely? Well, that leads us to our own paradox, one that can lead to the very same kind of disaster that Solomon experienced. Why don't we appreciate the value of appreciation? Many say that although Solomon had many, made many serious mistakes, in the end, he recognized his folly repented and came back to God. At the end of Ecclesiastes, he summarizes uh, our goal in life. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, it says, the conclusion which all has been heard is, fear God and keep his commandments. Well, that's certainly good advice, but contrast what Solomon says with how Jesus sums up what our goal in life should be in Mark 12, 30. And you shall love the Lord with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Fearing and keeping God's commandments is reasonable and necessary. But Jesus emphasizes that the foundation of our relationship with God is love. The key is love. I'm not sure Solomon got it. I hope we do. I'd like to close this morning by reading Colossians 1, 9 through 13. Listen to Paul's prayer. It's a very important prayer for each and every one of us. Again, Colossians 1, 9 through 13. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord 
to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Amen to that. Do we appreciate God's love for us and the magnificent blessings he has bestowed on us? I hope we all do. And my prayer this morning is that we grow in gratitude to God as we grow in love. Love makes all the difference, and gratitude is the secret ingredient. It's the special sauce. The blessings of an abundant and joyous life is only found in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.27 tells us that we put Christ on in baptism. If we can do that for you this morning, or if there's anything else that we can do for you to help you out this morning, make your needs known as together we stand and sing. <laughs>